0: Well, good morning, and good morning, Northside West. It's good to have you with us this morning. For the last three weeks, we've been in a series that we've called Toxic Attitudes. We've talked about insecurity. We've talked about envy. And this morning, we're going to talk about anger. You see, anger can do strange things to us. It it can turn a a mild-mannered Bruce Banner A man that wouldn't harm a fly into an Incredible Hulk that can destroy an entire city. That's what anger can do to any of us. Now, if you're about my age, you grew up with the original Incredible Hulk, the TV show. And every week when that TV show came on, it began with the same introduction. I want you to watch this introduction with me dr david banner physician scientist searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry and now when david banner grows angry or outraged a startling metamorphosis occurs by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. The creature is wanted for a murder he didn't commit. David Banner is believed to be dead, and he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. Now that's his angry face. And this is my angry face. Whenever Sherry and I get in an argument at the house, or whenever I get frustrated with the kids, this is the face that I get. And I think you would agree with me that, that no one wants to see an angry face, amen? Because anger not only makes us do strange things, it makes us do crazy things. I heard about one woman who went to a gun shop and she told the guy behind the counter that she wanted to buy a small revolver for her husband. And the guy said, well, did your husband give you any idea of what make or what model he would like? The lady said, I haven't told him I'm going to shoot him. That's what anger does. It makes us do crazy things. I heard about this woman who was driving her brand new Lexus into a parking lot and she was about to pull into a parking space when when this guy pulled his, his fast sports car in front of her. Well, she got angry. And she said, why did you do that? And the guy said, well, I guess because I'm young and fast. He went into the store, and when he came back out, she was still in her Lexus, and she was ramming his sports car. She said, why are you doing that? And he said, well, because, or she said, because I'm old and rich. <laughs> Anger makes us do crazy things. It, it comes out in our homes. It comes out on the golf course while we're standing in line, while we're riding in the car. It seems that in the purvis household that, that our anger becomes the most ferocious, the most vicious when we're in the car. About 15 years ago, on the Friday after Thanksgiving, I decided that we were going to go from Titusville, Florida to Orlando, Florida to do some shopping. And you know how crazy that day is. Anyway, so we got in our car, we headed to Orlando, and we were about five minutes from the mall, stopped at a red light, when this car beside us started blowing its horn, and then the guy started yelling, Get your kids seatbelts on! I mean yelling! Now, to understand, my kids always wore their seatbelts. But for some reason, this day, they didn't have them on. And so I turned and said, kids, get your seatbelts on. And they immediately did. But but the guy didn't stop. He just kept yelling and the light never turned green. He said, you've got your seatbelt on. Your kids don't have their seatbelts on. You don't love your kids. Oh, I snapped. I yanked off my seatbelt. I opened up the door. I was stepping out of the car. My wife reaching for me saying, Honey, you're a preacher. Don't do it. By this time, the guy in the car beside me realized this guy's crazy. And so he said, Let's talk. And I pointed to him with my angry eyes. And I said, shut up! The light turned green and he sped off. I got back in my car. Fortunately, I wasn't arrested. I wasn't shot. I survived. That's what anger can make you do. And you say, well, I can see that in you, Rocky. But, but understand, it can happen even to a sweet, mild-mannered woman like my wife. When we lived in Orlando, I came home one day from the church and my wife looked at me with this kind of look on her face. And she said, you'll never believe what I did today. I went, what? She said, I gave somebody the finger. I went, what? She said, I gave somebody the finger. I said, well, tell me about it. And so she said, I was coming home from the hospital, and I was in a turn lane. The light was red, and and there was traffic coming, so I couldn't turn. And this man behind me kept blowing his horn, wanting me to go into the traffic, but I couldn't go. And, And finally, I was able to turn. And when I did, he sped in beside me, blew his horn, gave me a look, and then took off. She said, well, that went all over me. And I caught him in my car, blew my horn, and I went, you, you. My wife can't even give a good finger. That's how sweet she is. But that's what anger can do to us. It doesn't surprise me that, that anger is the number one killer on the highways behind alcohol. So let me ask you a question. What is it that... That pushes your button? What is it that gives you those angry eyes like Mr. Potato Head? What is it that gets all over you and sets you off? There was a lady I read about. Her, her husband passed away. And, and on the tombstone, she, she put his name and then she put rest in peace. Well, when they were reading the will, she discovered that he left all of the money to another woman. So he went back, she went back and wanted to change the tombstone, but she couldn't. And so she added these words, until we meet again. <laughs> Rest in peace, until we meet again. Now anger comes in various forms. There's, there's atomic bomb Andy. When Andy explodes, I mean everybody hears it, everybody sees it. I mean it's obvious that he is angry. And then there is Stewart over Sally. Stewart over Sally can get angry and, and you don't even know it. You don't hear her. And unless you're real close and very observant, you don't see the anger because she's stewing inside. And then there is crock pot Carol. It, it takes a while for Carol to get hot. But let me tell you, when she gets hot, she gets boiling hot. And then there's Depression Dan. Depression Dan's anger is turned inward. It's on himself. But regardless of what form it comes in, it's obvious that we live in an angry society. We even have a name that we play on our phones, Angry Birds. Because we are such an angry society. We get get angry at our spouses. We get angry at our children. We get angry at our boss. We get angry at our neighbors. We get angry at at, at complete strangers. Stuart Stuart Briscoe said, When a man's anger gets the best of him, it brings out the worst in him. When a man's anger gets the best of him, it brings out the worst in him. And then he went on to say, The more we grow up, the less we should blow up. Pretty good. The more we grow up, the less we should blow up. Mark Twain said it this way. Anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything on which it is poured. That's true. You add one letter to that word anger and you get danger. And I want you to know that whenever anger raises its ugly head, it is a dangerous thing. But understand, anger isn't a new problem. We see anger in the very first chapter of the Bible when Cain got angry. And and anger is mentioned over 400 times in the Word of God. Now listen to what the Bible says about anger. Proverbs 29, verse 11, it says, A fool gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man keeps himself under control. A fool gives full vent to his anger. But a wise man has learned how to keep himself under control. Fool, wise man. Now Jesus said this in the Sermon of the Mount. He said, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Judgment. In other words, uncontrolled anger will lead to the judgment of God. And so, if anger is such a bad thing that it leads to God's judgment, how do we get to that point where we can manage our anger? I heard about this older man who went to see the doctor, and he was 85 years old and in perfect health. And the doctor said, What's your secret? 85, perfect health. You're in better health than 40-year-old than men. What's your secret? And he said, well, I've been married for 60 years. And, and when my wife and I got married 60 years ago, we decided that whenever we got angry, we would go on a walk. And he said, since that time, I've gone on a lot of walks. Now, that's one way to manage our anger. But I believe the Bible gives us some principles, some truths, that if we apply to our lives... It will help us as we seek to manage our anger. Now, here's the first thing. I've got to make the choice. I've got to simply make the choice. I've got to choose to control my anger. Now, some of you are saying, I can't do that. My anger just happens. Now, the emotion may just happen. The feeling may come up out of nowhere. But you can control what you're going to do with the feeling. You can control how you're going to respond and how you're going to act when the emotion, when the feeling comes up inside of you. You see, our problem is we make excuses. We make excuses for our outburst, for our, our rage, for our, our anger. We we say things like I can't help myself. I was brought up that way. Uh, my, my father was that way. I'm just redheaded. Or or I'm just Irish. Or the excuse I've heard more often than not is, well, you don't know the stress I'm under. I've heard every excuse imaginable. And the truth is, I've given most of those excuses. But let's quit giving excuses. Because the fact of the matter is, you and I can control our anger. We can choose whether or not We're going to let our anger come out and become explosive. You say we can't? Let me give you an example. You and your spouse are in a knock-down, drag-out fight. You're there in the kitchen. You're screaming. You're yelling. She's throwing pots and pans. You're ducking. And all of a sudden, the phone rings. And what do you do? You pick up the phone. Hello? Hello? Everything is great. And when you get off the phone, you proceed to battle again. Has that ever happened in your house? Don't lie. It's happened in my house before. You see, what that says is we can control our anger. Listen to what it says in Colossians 3 verse 8. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage. Now is the time to get rid of it. In other words, throw it away. Now, our trash comes on Tuesday. And so during the week, we take trash to our trash can outside. But on Tuesday, we take that trash can out to the road and we get rid of it. Now, I could choose to leave the trash in the house and our house would be stinking up all the time. But that's not what we do. We get rid of the trash. And the Bible says that we need to get rid of our rage. In Psalm 37, it says, Let go of anger, leave rage behind. Let it go. Let it go. As you mature in life, leave the anger, leave the rage behind. And then the verse we read just a few minutes ago, Proverbs 29. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. You see, control is a choice. Choose it. So the next time you blow up, the next time you get ticked off, the next time someone pushes your button and you let them have it, understand It's a choice that you made. So choose to control your anger. That's the first step. I'm going to control my anger. Now here's the second step. When you begin to get angry, you need to count the cost. What is this anger going to cost me short-term and long-term? Will Rogers said, People who fly into a rage seldom make a good landing. You see, there is a price tag for not controlling my anger. The Bible says it. Our experiences confirm it. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 22, A hot-tempered man starts fights and gets into all kinds of trouble. Proverbs 15, verse 18. Hot tempers cause arguments. Proverbs 14, verse 17. People with a hot temper do foolish things. Proverbs 14, verse 29, anger causes mistakes. Proverbs 11, verse 29, the fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. Did you get that? The fool who is provoking his family to anger will one day wake up and he has absolutely nothing left. When a cartoon character gets angry, steam comes out of the ears. He, he, he turns red from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. And, and sometimes there is an explosion or two that takes place. But you need to understand that when we get angry, that anger affects us physically. It affects us physiologically. One study was conducted of 13,000 people. And it was discovered that, that the individuals with the highest levels of anger had twice the risk of coronary artery disease and three times the risk of heart attack compared to individuals who had the lowest um, levels of anger. Did you get that? So if you want to have heart disease, coronary disease, then just let your anger Fly. Studies have shown that men who have a tendency toward anger are four times more likely to die young than those who don't get angry. Some scientists say that chronic anger may be more dangerous than smoking and obesity as a factor to early death. Wow! My uncontrolled anger can lead to my early death quicker than smoking, quicker than obesity. But understand there are other consequences as well. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 5, after Abel and Cain had presented their sacrifices to God and and Abel's sacrifice was accepted, looked on with favor and Cain's wasn't, the Bible says that Cain became very angry and downcast. And, And you know what happened. Cain ended up killing his brother, Abel. According to a 2010 report from the Federal Bureau of Investigation, there were over 15,000 first-degree murders committed in the United States. That equals 45 murders a day. The Journal of American Psychology estimates it's 3.3 million children are exposed to domestic violence every year. Over 4 million women experience a serious assault by someone they are close to. Another study puts that source at at closer to 10 million women. Now, we would like to think that those who kill, those who, who abuse, are monsters. And sometimes they are. But hear me. Oftentimes, they are people like us. They are coaches and, and teachers, doctors and, and bankers and, and policemen and managers and Sunday school teachers and pastors who simply haven't learned how to control their anger. You see, anger can, can ruin a friendship. Anger can suck the life out of a marriage. Anger can result in the abuse of children and, and women. Most of our actions that are committed in anger, most of our, the words that we say in anger are later regretted. You see, we we just haven't counted the cost. We we haven't thought about the consequences. So the next time that anger begins to build inside of you, that emotion begins to rise up to the surface, you need to count the cost. Count the cost on, on what it's going to cost you, what it's going to cost your family, what it's going to cost your friends, what it's going to cost you with your reputation and your witness. I didn't finish that story about when I I lost it on the way to Orlando. That was on a Friday. On that Sunday, I stood up before our church and I told them what happened. I said, guys, I have to apologize to you as your pastor. Some of you are going to think this is funny, but it's no laughing matter. I was immature. I lost it. And I told them what I did. I confessed it. Now wouldn't it have been a terrible thing if that guy that that I got angry with lived in Titusville. And I scared the bejesus out of him. And he decided that he was going to go to church on Sunday. And he ended up coming to our church. And he saw the guy with those angry eyes staring at him from the pulpit. What kind of witness would I have had? You see, we need to count the cost before we let our anger explode. The third thing you need to do is this. You need to choose wisely. And I'm talking about our friends. We need to choose wisely. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 22. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered. Proverbs 13 verse 20 says this walk with the wise and become wise associate with fools and get in trouble you see our friends will make or break us they will push us up or they will pull us down they will bring out the best in us or they will dig up the worst in us our friends the people we associate with will do that what we become in many ways, depends on the friends we hang out with. You see, the people we choose to be with are going to have an effect on us, good or bad. Just as good behavior can be contagious, bad behavior can be contagious. And I have seen many a young person who was a good kid, who had a good heart, who had good parents, who ended up destroying their lives... Because of the friendships they made. You see, we have to choose wisely. We hang out with angry people, and that anger's gonna seep out onto us. And by the way, it's not only the people we hang out with, it's the people that we watch as well. That's, that's why it's so important, and it's difficult in our society today. But that's why it's so important for us to be careful what we watch what we listen to so choose wisely the fourth thing you need to do is this deal with it your anger deal with it correctly and quickly in ephesians 4 verses 26 and 27 it says this in your anger do not sin do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold you see The Bible teaches that it's possible to be angry and not sin. The question is, what do I do with my anger? How do I deal with my anger? There's a book out. It's a good book. It's called Make Anger Your Ally. It's by Neil Warren. And in that book, he tells us how to make anger our ally. He says you can suppress your anger. You can deny your anger. You can let your anger control you. Or you can make anger your ally. Now, here's what some people do. They express it. They let it all out. They tell it like it is. Some psychiatrists today suggest that each of us have a bucket full of anger that we just need to dump. And once we get rid of our anger by dumping it or blowing up, then we'll be fine. Some people refer to this as venting. Some psychiatrists call it the primal scream. There's a movie that came out last year called The Purge. And in the purge, unemployment is at 1%. Crime is at an all-time low. And the reason they say that things are going so well is because every year for 12 hours, they have a purging where all crime is legal. For 12 hours, you can kill anyone, you can do anything. For 12 hours, you're releasing your anger. You're releasing your hostility. And after we release it, then everything is okay. But that's a myth. Because instead of a a bucket full of anger... We've got this internal factory of fury with unlimited production that's always making more and more anger if we're not careful. Now, some of you are probably saying, well, God gets angry. Jesus got angry. And you're right. God has a righteous anger. But the truth is, righteous anger is always redemptive. Righteous anger is always selfless. And the fact of the matter is, most of our anger is not selfless. Most of our anger is selfish. And so some people express it. They let it out. There are other people that suppress it. They push it down. They, they ignore it. Did you know the number one cause of depression is anger suppressed or, or turned inward? I heard about this couple who seemed like they had a perfect marriage. And as they celebrated their 50th anniversary, the, the local newspaper came out and, and wanted to do a story on them and how they had such a perfect marriage and sat down with the wife. And, and the wife said, well, it all started when we were on our honeymoon. We took a honeymoon to the Grand Canyon and we took a, a mule trip down into the canyon. And when we were going down the trails into the canyon, my husband's mule stumbled. And when the mule stumbled, he grabbed it by the ear, shook it and said, that's once. They went a little bit further and, and the mule stumbled again. He grabbed the mule's ear, shook the mule and said, that's twice. After a while, the mule stumbled a third time. This time he didn't grab the mule's ears. He took his revolver out and shot the mule. His wife objected. And the man grabbed her by the ear, shook her and said, that's once. said, since then? We've been kind of peaceful. Well, what she's done is she suppressed her anger. And let me tell you, suppressing your anger is never the right way to deal with your anger. Because when you suppress it, when you don't do anything with it, it's going to eventually explode and be expressed or it's going to turn on you and you're going to become depressed and it's going to eat away at you. So what do you do? You possess it. You deal with it. Paul said, don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, when you get angry, what do you do? You don't ignore it. You don't express it. You don't suppress it. You deal with it. You resolve it. You get to the root of it. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. If couples could learn that one truth, I believe that divorces in America would be cut at least in half. If they could learn just to deal with their anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. One man said that that he and his wife made that commitment to not let the sun go down on their anger. And in one year, they stayed up for three months. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about dealing with your anger. Don't let the sun go down. Don't let time slip by. Because that's not the way to resolve it. You sit down and you talk, you communicate, you deal with your anger. Because if you don't, notice what notice what it says. It says, you will give the devil a foothold. That word foothold literally can be translated, you give the devil a room. In other words when we let the sun go down on our anger and we don't deal with it, we are inviting Satan into our life. We are giving him a room that he is able to occupy in our life. That's why James urged us, my dear brothers, take note of this. Every one of you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. It's good advice, isn't it? It should be good. It comes from God. But we should be quick to listen, ready to, to hear what people have to say, hear their side. We should be slow to speak. When we want to just let it all out, we need to zip it up. And as we're quick to listen and we're slow to speak, we'll get to that point where we are a little bit slower to become angry. But there's one final thing we need to do. And that is, if I really want to control my anger, I need to accept Jesus. You you see, the truth is, I can't deal with my anger on my own. I never will be able to. I, I I can't solve this anger issue all by myself. And we've already seen that anger is a serious issue in God's eyes. Listen to what it says in James 1, verse 20. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. In other words, when I am living with this angry attitude, I will not be living the righteous life, not only that God wants, but God desires. God longs for in our life. In Galatians 5, Paul is is talking about the flesh our sinful nature versus the spirit. Uh, the, the nature that we have when, when God's spirit comes to live in us. And, and this is what he says. What human nature does is quite plain. And then he says people become enemies. They, they fight. They become jealous and angry. And then it goes on and says, and they do other like things. And then he says, I warn you now as I have before. Those who do these things will not possess the kingdom of God. Did you get that? Those who are angry, who fight with one another, they will not possess the kingdom of God. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have put to death their human nature with, with all His passion and, and all your desires. Your anger will keep you from heaven. We sit back and we say, it's not a big deal. I'm just born that way. I'm high-strung. I'm red-headed. I'm... Irish, I was brought up that way. I'm just going to speak my mind. You can say all of that, but the truth is, your anger can keep you from heaven if it's not dealt with through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and the Bible indicates very clearly that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and saves us, the Holy Spirit puts to death the works of the flesh in us. Now, tonight the season premiere of the walking dead comes on and and you and i both know that even though something is put to death in our life it sometimes raises its ugly head back up doesn't it and sometimes anger even though it's been put to death by the holy spirit it raises its head and shows up in our life even though we love jesus but but when the Holy Spirit is living in us, we know that it's sin. We know that it's a work of the flesh. And, and we put it back down in the grave again. You see, you can't do that on your own. On your own, you'll justify it. On your own, you'll excuse it. On your own, you'll deny it. But when God's Spirit is working in you, you will accept it, you'll confess it, and you'll deal with it. This is what I know. Apart from the Holy Spirit working in me, there is no way that I could handle my anger. I would just be exploding all the time. But God's Spirit replaces our anger with patience. And He can do the same for you. Maybe you're here and you're saying, but I I just can't do it. I can't control my anger. You can't. That's why you need Jesus. That's why Jesus died. And, And by the way, you know what the Bible says about God? The Bible says that he is slow to anger. Aren't you glad? But I am. I mean, if I was God, if I was sitting up on the throne, you'd be burnt toast right now. And so would I, if I were God, because my anger wouldn't be as patient as he is, but he's patient with us. And he gives us chance after chance after chance because he loves us. That's the God that wants a relationship with you. Do you have that relationship? You can have it, but you've got to submit yourself to him you got to humble yourself to Him. You've got to give Him control of your life. And when you give Him control of your life, through the power of His Holy Spirit, you will discover that that anger can be controlled in your life. I want you to bow your head with me. Close your eyes. With your head bowed and, and with your eyes closed, I want to ask you two questions. One, do you have an anger issue? I'm not talking about... The occasional, I blew it, I lost my temper. Everyone does that and we need to confess it when we do it. But but do you have an anger issue? Does anger seem to be a dominant attitude for you? If it is, then you need to turn that attitude over to Jesus. And let the cross put it to death. And let the Holy Spirit replace that attitude of anger with an attitude of peace and an attitude of patience. He can do that. But you've got to allow Him. And this is what you need to do. You need to pray this prayer to Him right now. Dear Jesus, forgive me. I've got an attitude of anger that's controlled me. And I realize it is sin. I don't want to be controlled by this sin anymore. So take my sin. Put it to death. Fill me with your spirit. I know you died on the cross for all of my sins. I'm giving my life to you today. Take control, I pray. Amen.